You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, I'm Chris Anthang, Canine Master. Welcome to my show. I'm so excited to welcome you to my new Pet Life Radio show. It's, uh, it's all about living a better life for your dogs. You know, I have a, a strong background in dogs. I come from a dog family. My grandmother was an AKC all-breeds judge. So was my aunt. And, you know, our whole family bred dogs. We had, growing up, I had about 60 dachshunds and bloodhounds downstairs. I grew up above the kennel house in my first few years of life. And I have been around dogs my whole life. I started competing dogs when I was a kid, both in obedience and in confirmation. My family put me in these, these confirmation shows and I'd get all dressed up and I, I looked quite funny. And it's amazing what parents will make you do. But what happened was, is that I started getting a real love for dogs. I love dogs. And let's be honest, I really love dogs. And I love everything about them. I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking about dogs, and I go to work, and all I do is I train dogs. Let me tell you a little bit about what I did. I, in the early 80s, I was a marine mammal trainer. So I, I worked at an aquarium as an intern and then started working as a marine mammal trainer. I worked with you know, blue whales and dolphins, and it was amazing the experience that I have because I came from a family where dogs and animals were treated a little more harshly than we do with our uh, marine mammals. We would do what we call compulsion training. We would compel dogs through fear and intimidation to obey us. But I quickly learned from working with marine mammals that we don't need to work with dogs that way, that we can work with dogs in a positive motivational approach, that we can take basically an animal, whether it's a dolphin or a dog or a bird, and we can get the dog to have fun learning. And so this was really where, where it all started. I developed a two-pronged approach to training. I'll never forget, I came back to my grandmother, Baba, and I said, Baba, look what I can do. I don't need to use a choke collar. I don't need to use a prong collar. And she's, oh, that's ridiculous. Of course you do. Dogs learn through corrections. And I said, well, you know what? Dogs may learn through corrections, but dogs also can learn in a positive motivational way. So we started working with clickers as I was working with seals and sea lions I was using something called the clicker, which is a marker, and it marked behavior as correct. And it was amazing, quickly using treats and that positive approach, how quickly the dogs would learn. I could get a dog to do a down in moments where in years past, in my other training programs, I would be popping them down to the ground using a choke collar and forcing them down, and they hated it. So using this approach, I showed my grandmother and she was quite amazed. The other thing is, is that people started saying, well, you're going to walk around with treats in your hands all the time. So I developed what we call a two-pronged approach. The two-pronged approach is on the behavioral side, we're going to teach the dogs to want to have us lead them. We're going to be good, what we call leaders to our dogs. Dogs want to follow in general. They like to be led, but also dogs like to learn in a positive way. So not only are we teaching dogs to learn in a positive way, but we're also teaching dogs that when they let us lead them, good things happen. And uh, life is really simple. So I will show you how that approach works with Canine Master. And I'm going to teach you guys how to understand dogs and how dogs learn. And we're going to learn the best way to train them. 
You know, I work with people every day who have problems with their dogs. I wake up in the morning, I work on my farm and uh, get all my animals fed. And then off I go to work, working with people and their dogs. So I'm really training two species at once. I think it's really one of the only professions that I know of, except maybe being a horse trainer, where you're working with two species at once. So I'm going to help you here on Pet Life Radio and the Canine Master Show uh, with your relationship with your dogs. Uh, Not only do I work with people with their dogs on a daily basis, I also own an 11,000 square foot indoor facility for dogs called Dog on Smart. And I started that about 20, 23 years ago. Uh, I was one of the founders of doggy daycare in this country. One of the first ones that people used to think I was absolutely crazy to do doggy daycare. I used to go to a cocktail party and people would say, oh my gosh, you know, did you hear what this guy does? He has a doggy daycare and people would be in hysterics laughing and little did they know that that would turn into about a $5 billion industry here in the United States. The other thing I do is I have, I own a pet product company, Doggone Smart Pet Products. And, you know, we have everything from the dirty dog doormat to uh, products like the nanotechnology, we introduced nanotechnology into the pet industry where everything repels off the fabrics, no stains, no odors, uh, everything stays clean. I get the great opportunity to travel around the world and I go to trade shows all over, all over the world because our pet product company distributes to about 40 countries around the world. And I also get to go to countries where we're manufacturing the products. So I have an amazing time studying dogs and the street dogs of India, learning how the dogs interact around living with people like they did maybe thousands of years ago. So it's a really a neat, a neat opportunity. And I'm blessed to have this. So I'm going to, as I go around the world, whether it's a trade show or I'm studying dogs or going to different factories, I'm also going to bring you guys with me and show you guys. And, and we're going to hear how people live with their dogs and what's going on around the world. So um, I'm really excited to hear about this, but I'm also excited to hear the different opportunities that you guys and experiences you guys are having here at the show. I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to tell me about your experiences and to share my knowledge uh, with you. And it's all about helping you build a better relationship with your dog. Okay, well, today we have a great guest coming on the show. Her name is Jill Rappaport, and she is a network correspondent. So uh, it's going to be exciting to hear what she's doing with Rescue. I'll be back to you momentarily with Canine Master. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back, right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit Pet Party Accessories, party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photoprop kits include funny glasses and hats. The party supplies and decorations include coordinating table covers, party banners, cake decorations, and treat bowls, cups, and bags. Everything you need to create great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, Tropical and Fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, welcome back to Canine Master and Pet Life Radio. 
So today, we are so lucky to have my good friend and fellow animal advocate, Jill Rappaport. You know, Jill is an amazing person, and she gives her life to saving rescuing dogs from around the world, around the country, I guess, in the United States. Right, Jill? Yes, dogs, cats, horses. If it's got four legs and a tail, you name it, I'm saving it. <laughs> you're best known for, you know, you're best known as a network correspondent. And Jill has also become the voice of the voiceless for the animals in need. And, you know, she's devoted to making a difference by shining a light on shelters across America. Jill and I met when I was helping you with your dogs, right, Jill? Yes. And first of all, Chris, congratulations on your wonderful uh-huh. new show. So well-deserved because you are truly, you know, the animal whisperer. You're amazing. Yeah, you came to my house and, you know, I never consider any situations with my animals problems because to me they're all perfect but you know there were some minor little things and like after one visit it was like they knew you were there and they're like okay what can we do and how much better can we be so yeah we met we bonded and I had started to tell you about how you know my love of not flying <laughs> and hitting the road and how that I take my little rescue dog Ruby everywhere to encourage people to rescue and adopt. And you couldn't believe, Chris, that last year alone I put 10,000 miles on wow, a car. Oh, it's amazing, yeah, Jill. Yeah, drove everywhere. And you that's when the idea came up for the Ruby Roadie. And we became partners on one of your wonderful beds for the most amazing cause, as we like to say, products for the purpose, featuring one of my beloved rescues. Yeah, and it's amazing. I mean, and I tell you this, what's amazing is, is that you, you know, your love for dogs is just, it's unbelievable. And, you know, being able to create a product that can help dogs has always been a great thing. You know, Jill, tell us a little bit how your, your rescue dogs, you know, your, your love for rescue dogs began. How did you well, start you out? Well, I love, literally, you know, I've always said I, I'm part animal. You know, I've, I've lived my whole life for saving animals and caring about animals. I'm obsessed with them. Horses, I mean, literally growing up, Lassie and National Velvet were my favorite TV show. And I'm dating myself, hello. I always say, okay, International Velvet, the later one with Tatum O'Neill, not the one with Elizabeth Taylor, okay? But anyway, I love those shows. I've had dogs my whole life. And I was one of, I have to say, I rescued animals at a time when people kind of looked at me like, is she crazy? I mean, I remember bringing home, you know, my dogs and, you know, finding animals and saying, look what I found. And people are like, oh, you're going to catch something. Oh, my God, look how dirty that animal is. You know, back then it was like, are you kidding me? And I only rescued. I mean, I don't think I've ever in my life, even my parents, we never went to breeders. So you have uh, we five found now, animals. Right? Right, Jill? You have five Oh, well, dogs you know, there? I had six, and I oh. lost two of my beloved. Chris, you were fortunate yeah. enough to meet Buck and Sweet Tea, and I lost them within nine months this year. And I'll I'm tell so you sorry. something. It was just Buck's year anniversary. I lost him on July 7th, and Sweet Tea this past April 2nd. And it's the house, it sounds crazy because I have seven horses and four rescue dogs, and it, the house is so lonely without them. Oh. You know, they were kind of like the mom-pa. They kept everything in line. But, yeah, I have four rescue dogs. I have Petey, my American bulldog, who was left tied to a tree in Brooklyn, 120 pounds. You met him. Wonderful Stanley that came from Lori's little Florida little dog little rescue, Florida. my yeah, standard that's a, poodle. that's where I got my dog Dave as well. Yes, yes. I think and, that's actually how uh, we know, first met. Exactly. And wild little Ruby, who we have the bed named after she was in the uh, Los Angeles County shelter. And they, they kind of implied to me that... That was going to be her last day. She had, you know, been there a number of days, and you know what happens. And she was five years old when I rescued her, 
And if anyone goes to those city-run shelters, you know this, Chris, they're going in to look for a puppy. So Ruby's chances were not great. And we ended up, when I, I was out there to get a Genesis Award, which is the Oscars of the animal world, and a friend of mine, Ricky Collins, said to me, I need you to come look at a dog with me. And I said, really? It's like asking a Coke addict to go to a crack den. I go, you really want me to do this? And I said, by one day, I said, I, I don't know if I should. Well, lo and behold, we went there. We ended up rescuing three dogs. One was so sick, he didn't live even 48 hours, but at least we got him to a vet. He was surrounded with love and care, wow. his last breath. The other dog, his brother, ended up with Brian Gumble, and I got Ruby. And yeah. you and have Ruby a very wonderful a relationship dog. with Ruby because oh. it's a bed, right? Oh, but not only that, I mean, Ruby is quite the personality. I have gone oh. to benefits with you and, you know, and, and seen Ruby in action. And boy, does she always get the attention. I mean, she's, she really is the, also the, the voice of rescue, um, but she's just the dog, the voice of rescue. Uh, well, I, Ruby doesn't know she's a dog, okay? Ruby yeah. thinks she's royalty, and if she could live, you know, with right now Kate and William, she would. Ruby walks around. She literally struts her stuff. She gives new meaning to that phrase, as you know, Chris. And my American Bulldog is 120 pounds, and Stanley, who's the size of a small pony, they walk out of the room backwards because they... <laughs> She rules the roost, that oh, little one, right? She sits on on your lap, and uh, you can see it. She has the voice. I mean, she's unbelievable. But the great thing is is that she's able to go with you, you know, everywhere, in, in the car, when you go from shelter to shelter to shelter. I mean, that's what's amazing, what you do, Jill. I mean, I, I can't believe what you do for shelters across America. It's really quite what? exciting. But what about what Ruby does? Because I'll tell you something, you know, besides her dominant personality, she happens to be a purebred, beautiful, red miniature dachshund. Exactly. And listen, and what's amazing about that, and I have all, I have much to purebred, is that the message here is that you can get anything in a shelter. So Ruby is so valuable in so many ways because wherever I go, people come up to me and they say, oh, she's so adorable. Oh, my goodness. And I said, yeah, shelter dog. And they go, no way. She's a purebred dachshund. I said, well, what do you think's in shelters? You can find anything in a shelter. Her message is really resonating loud and clear because she is a purebred, because she's beautiful. I mean, they, you know, when they get to know her, they, they think, okay, this is a little bit much. But <laughs> no, but she's, and she's great, but you're so right. I mean, you know, rescue does not mean mixed breed necessarily. It can meet all different types of dogs. And that's important for us to, to know that you can get a nice dog from a rescue and you don't have to go to a breeder. You know, a lot of the best dogs are sitting there right in shelters that really need homes. Yes, and they also think, the other thing that really upsets me is that people think that shelter animals, and Chris, you experience this more than anybody, being the fact that you're an incredible trainer and you're so involved with rescue and having rescue animals, you know that they think they're second-class citizens. They always assume if it's a shelter animal, it's damaged goods. And what I tell people is, look, we don't know half the time. We hear these horror stories, and many times, sadly, Unfortunately, they're true. And many animals are left with remnants of the abuse, no question. But I also say the other side of that coin is they are so grateful when they've been saved. They are so loving and they know and they thank you every day. It's a different type of animal. When they know they've been saved, the loyalty, the love, the commitment, the connection is like no other. So... I tell people that. I say, you know, you are so wrong. And, and, and they know that you saved them and they thank you every day. And what a great gift is that? It is. And, you know, you bring up such a great point. You know, so many dogs between the ages of seven months to 10 months 
and go through what we call that obnoxious teenager stage. Do you know that most right. dogs are given up between seven to 10 months old and they end up in rescues? And when somebody comes when the dog's like 12 months old or been there, maybe, maybe the dog's been there for a few months, they look at the dog and they go, wow, I can't believe that this dog got let up for rescue and was taken to the pound. And it's unbelievable yep. that there are such great dogs out there and it, they aren't all problem dogs. Yes, we'll have yep. our dogs, but you know, a lot of training can go on and we can fix a lot of the issues that we're having. If we just give them a little bit of time, it's amazing what we can do. And give them a chance. I mean, my goodness, they so deserve it. And I'm telling you, everyone that I've encouraged, and I'm proud to say I'm responsible for Christy Brinkley's rescue dog, Al Roker's rescue dog. Both came from Mainline Animal Rescue, as did Brian Gumbel indirectly through the dog in L.A. We were able to get that dog back, and then Bill facilitated that from Mainline. It's unbelievable because they are flipping out how much they love these dogs. And, you know, at first I think they were like, okay, you know, we know that this is a wonderful thing to do. And they opened their hearts and homes to it, and they could be happier. I mean, Brian Cumble was in a special with me. I don't know if you saw that, Best in Shelter. And really, yeah, he and his wife, those two dogs, they love them so much. And they have the best life, Archie and Spencer. And I feel so grateful that I had a hand in that. And anytime we can encourage and educate people about rescue and adoption, well, amen, because that's what we have to do. Like, I'm not just their voice. We're all their voice. Yes, but you are really Rappaport to the rescue. I mean, that's really what, you know, let's talk about this reoccurring. uh, You are, you are. And, you know, on The View, on ABC's The View, you got to have this reoccurring segment that's starting to appear, don't you? Oh, well, they have been so incredible. It started, they had me on as a guest because of my special Best in Shelter with Jill Rappaport. And yep. we ended up doing, and now this will be the Sizzling Seniors, which is airing on Friday, July 17th. It'll be the third time. And I'm telling you, I'm also hosting their month special for them. It's going to be pushed throughout the whole hour on July 31st. They have been so wonderful at The View. I mean, oh, I have to tell you, first of all, Whoopi and all the co-hosts, they're downstairs with us and the dogs for like two hours before the taping. <laughs> they yes. love animals. They love the cause. They love the message. They've embraced it a thousand percent. And Chris, you know, in television, if you can get two minutes, I've had eight, nine minute segments with them. Every one of our dogs has been adopted. Oh, that's great. Again, it's, and you're I'm doing makeovers on these dogs, right, Jill? I mean, yeah, makeovers. And, it, you know, as we call them, it's makeovers over for life because it's not only a physical makeover but a new chance a second chance of a new life but they are the most wonderful group of people because they really get it and they support it and i am so blessed to have a vehicle to spread my message and you're going to shelters across America doing this, aren't you? I mean, aren't, isn't that part of the show as well, is what I understood? That's eventually, we're now supposed to be working on a new show. I'm working on it with another company to do a new show about that. But right now, we focus on, like I did Bowder Wow for seven years on the Today Show, and I used animal care and control with my lovely, rich gentles who I adore. I'm using one shelter, Mainline Animal Rescue, and I also work with Lori from Little Dog Rescue because people, they like the consistency, the continuity. And, you know, I'm able to go to Philadelphia. Lori comes in from Florida. It's been really wonderful. And the animals, oh, wait till you see our sizzling seniors. We have a segment coming up. Not only are they sizzling seniors, these are therapy dogs. These dogs are going into nursing homes and helping the elderly. So the seniors are helping the seniors, and these animals are up for adoption. You will cry when you see the stories this time. Wow. Well, that's so exciting. Jill, we have to head out today, but thanks so much for coming on the show today. And I'm, I'm so thrilled to have you as our rescue correspondent on Canine Master, and I, and I look forward to having oh, you back. Oh, 
Well, Chris, I have to tell you, and uh, listen, I know you personally, but I think you're kicking butt. I mean, your very first segment on your very first show, you're a natural, babe. Well, thank you for coming on my show. I really appreciate it. Hey, listen, I'm I hope to see you. I hope to time. see you and Stanley and and all the dogs out in the Hamptons. Maybe this summer we'll get together. Oh yes, and and the best of luck to you, and continue great work that you're doing for our fur angels. Thanks, Jill. That was so great to have Jill on the show, and she's such a, a valuable resource for me, and gosh, it's just so great to see the great things that she's doing. You know, today I want to talk to you about something that's a really important subject, and people need to, I think people don't put enough importance on this. It's called socialization, socializing your dog. You know, it basically can make or break a dog. I have seen dogs that, you know, come out of the box eight weeks old, everything looks great, and people don't spend enough time working with their dogs. They get so consumed in getting them housebroken, teaching them how to sit, how to down, instead of probably the most important thing is, is getting them socialized. You know, there's a window of opportunity that we have when a puppy is young, and that is between about five to 16 weeks. That is what we call our puppy imprint time. That is where a dog is made or broken. You know, and every day there's about 4,000 dogs being euthanized in this country, and that's, you know, what Jill's really working on. But I will tell you, that 4,000 dogs a day are being euthanized, and many of them are being euthanized not because they're ill, but because they didn't receive the proper amount of socialization as puppies. You know, it's between 5 to 16 weeks is so important. And the problem that we see is that a lot of veterinarians, um, old world, you know, old school, we'll call veterinarians, recommend not bringing your dog out into social situations until all of their shots are done. But the problem with that is, is that by the time your shots are all done, it's 16 weeks and you've lost your period. You've lost the time in which we can really make a dog and fix them if they have issues. Many times I'll go look at a puppy and I'll see, oh, this puppy is scared of heights or uh, I may be, I may evaluate a, a dog for police work or for search and rescue where, you know, I'll have to elevate the dog and I'll see, wow, you know, this dog doesn't do well on an elevated surface. So we counter condition that or give them treats when they're on it. My point is, is that I can actually sort of change the viewpoint or the issues that we're seeing. We can sort of adjust them during that imprint time. So, you know, what is socialization? Socialization is where we take our dog and we expose them to different stimuli, different situations, and that get the dog used to them. So what would I do if I was socializing my dog? I probably would take my puppy downtown. Now, people are going to say, you shouldn't be bringing your dog downtown. What if they get parvo? Well, what if they get exposed to a bad disease? You know, the chances of that happening are, are not as likely as if you uh, were, you know, just be smart about it. Bring your dogs to places that dogs are not ill. Don't bring your dogs to dog parks. That's where your dogs can be exposed to disease. But bring your dog to places where areas are clean, where there's not a lot of other dogs running around. So bringing them downtown with some treats in a, in a treat bag on your waist and exposing that dog to different sights and sounds, different situations. You know, I like walking my dog, bringing them up to a, a big man with a big beard. If my dog seems a little scared, I'm going to give that man a treat. I'm going to sort of encourage my dog to go over there. I'm not going to force them. That's really important. Don't force your dog into any scary situation, but encourage them through the use of treats and encouragement, vocal encouragement, to go up to that strange looking man with the big beard. You know, dogs, as they go through life, and especially puppies, 
you will find that the dogs will be a bit fearful of certain situations. Well, those are the situations that you need to work on before your puppy imprint time is over. And I try to make all my experiences really positive. So let's say I bring my dog and a negative thing were to occur. What would I do? Well, the first thing is I wouldn't dwell on the negative thing. I see this with people go to dog parks, which, by the way, is a bad idea. Bringing your puppy, your new puppy to a dog park is not a great idea because that is where people test to see whether the dog that they just got is aggressive. And your puppy may be the victim of that aggression. So I really recommend in the very beginning sort of making sure that you are very careful in which situations you put your dog into. So I'm going to bring my dog. I'm not going to force my dog into a fearful situation. So if I see that my dog is getting nervous or upset, I'm actually going to go back and work on those things. If you find that your dog is fearful or going up to a dog and he has a bad experience, like I said, we're going to redirect that experience. We're going to clap our hands and yahoo, come here, come on, puppy, 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 and get them out of that. Don't sit there and pet them and go, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You're scared because by encouraging that dog, you're basically encouraging them by giving them all these wonderful high-pitched noise and petting them because your dog had a bad experience. If you dwell on that experience and how do we as people dwell on those experiences? We pet the dog. We talk nicely to them. And in the dog's mind, what is he hearing? He's hearing this. Oh, it's okay for me to be scared. My master, whatever you want to call us, are, are very much, we're soothing the dog, but we're actually teaching the dog that it's good that they're scared of this situation. Not a good idea. So when you go out and you find your dog gets nervous about something, make sure that you don't sit there and pamper them, but sort of act like, hey, that was no big deal. Let's go. And you walk in the other direction or redirect them. And again, finding a place to socialize your dogs with other dogs is important. But I like to socialize my dogs with other puppies. That's so important. Not necessarily with bigger dogs. Why with other puppies? Well, other puppies are going to teach your dog what we call how to greet other dogs, how to teach bite inhibition, which is so important. You know, years ago when I was a kid, a dog putting its mouth on any person was discouraged. But now we know to actually to redirect mouthing. Um, And we're going to talk about that in a later show. But basically, when your dog is playing with another puppy, it's going to get feedback from that puppy. So if your dog bites too hard, that other puppy is going to squeal. If you did that with an adult dog and the dog bit hard, your puppy bit hard, that adult dog may turn around and correct that dog. And it may be over the top. So I'm going to put my dog in situations where my puppy is going to get good experiences with other puppies, learning how to greet. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about first imprints. First imprints are very important. So when I bring my puppy to meet another dog, if I my dog has a bad experience when it meets its first other dog that's outside of its its sort of uh, you know litter mates, I want to make sure it's a real positive experience. So, but if I have a bad experience, many times that dog may become fear aggressive towards other dogs and later in life. So make sure that whatever situation you put your dog in, that it's a positive experience. And when you're at puppy class, and I, you know, we have puppy class at Dog on Smart at my canine center, but there's many places around the country that offer puppy classes. When you go to those puppy classes, if you are noticing that your nine week or 10 week or 12 week old puppy is getting overwhelmed by another dog, take them out of the situation, no matter what. You know, it's not normal for an eight week old puppy to leave its mom. Let's be honest. I mean, we're taking these dogs at eight weeks old. Is that really a normal situation? So taking your dog into a puppy class, you need to act like your dog's mommy. And if it's not appropriate, 
Get the dog out of the situation. Think of it as your own toddler. Would you leave your toddler on the playground with an eight-year-old boy and let them work it out? Not a good idea. So socialization, I'm going to bring my dogs to different sights, sounds, and surfaces. And I think that if we can socialize our dogs in the right way, I don't think, I know, if we socialize our dogs in the right way, you're going to find that your dog can go everywhere with you, is good in all situations, and then your dog will look at life in a happy way and be a great companion for you. All right, so we're going to come back to you in a moment with some questions for the canine master. Be back to you shortly. Sit, stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Pretty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat 101 or use coupon code cat 101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to the Canine Master Show. I am so excited to have you back here. We're going to have some questions from our listeners, and I want to get to those. But first, I want to talk to you about how you guys can become a bigger part of the show. You know, go to caninemaster.com and, you know, ask me questions. You can click on Ask the Canine Master and ask me anything. I'll do my best to respond, and I'll get back to you. Even if you can post videos, which is really cool, that gives me a lot of information. Then the other listeners can go on to caninemaster.com. That's C-A-N-I-N-E-M-A-S-T-E-R.com. And, you know, I want you guys to think about my show as your training and lifestyle resource. You know, I will help you master your relationship with your dog. That I promise. Okay, so Jamie. Jamie is my assistant. Jamie's going to give me some questions from our readers. Go ahead, Jamie. Okay, our first question asks about dog parks. Are dog parks safe? And what can I do upon entry to a dog park to keep my dog safe while there? Well, you know, dog parks, we need to have what we call constant vigilance. We need to be looking all the time and reading the dogs that are coming towards our dogs. You know, dog parks are places, as I talked before, where people will maybe adopt a dog and they'll bring the dog to the dog park to see how he is with other dogs. And this can be a disaster. I see this happen all the time. I've had situations in my life where I've gone to dog parks and my dog was attacked. So when you go to a dog park, first, a couple of things you want to look for. First of all, if if a dog's coming up to you with his hackles, hackles is that hair that raises along the spine. If those hackles are all standing up, even from the shoulders all the way down or just on the shoulders, you know, that's a dog that's coming in a little bit hot. So I am going to make sure 
that I keep my dog away from a dog like that. How do I keep my dog? Put the dog behind you. You know, one of the best things to do when I'm entering a dog park is I get my dog behind me and I become sort of the leader. I become that person that's taking the brunt of the new interactions. And once I kind of get a read on what's going on around me, I then can expose my dog to the other dogs. But again, if I see that it's not the appropriate situation, I'm going to get out of there. I'm going to take my dog and say bye-bye or head to a different part of the park. Okay, Chris. Our next question is about rescuing a dog outside of the imprint period. She asks, I have a rescue dog who is six years old. She's just okay with other dogs, but a bit unsure. Is it too late to socialize her properly since it's past the imprint period? What are the proper steps to safe socialization at this stage? So here's the thing. Can we still socialize a dog that's past the imprint time? And the answer is absolutely yes. I mean, you have a lot more time. We take dogs that are older that have had bad situations and work with them. So one of the things that we can do is if you have a dog that you're taking and you want to socialize is the first thing we want to do is desensitize them, desensitize them to different situations. How would I do that? Well, I might, if there's a situation where my dog is a little bit fearful, I might keep back from that trigger and might do some what we call counter conditioning, giving them treats every time they go near that trigger. I might walk them behind me. And now that sounds crazy, but you know, naturally dogs do walk either in front or behind. So getting the dog to sort of walk partially behind you gets the dog desensitized to the situations that you're walking into. It makes the dog go, hey, I don't need to deal with this. He's in front of me or she's in front of me and I can just sort of relax. So I would say that getting your dog into new situations when he's a little bit older, maybe you took him out of the shelter, you'll find that if you continue exposing them in a positive way and you don't force your dog into the situations, you don't say, oh, she's scared of going on that metal grate on the, on the sidewalk. I'm going to force her on that. Instead, I might throw some treats on that metal grate. I might encourage her to take a few steps and then let's keep on going. I think that if you work hard at it, you can definitely go. It does take longer when the dogs are older, but it absolutely can be done. Okay, our last question is about puppy socialization. He says, I just got a puppy who's 12 weeks old and the vet is insistent that I should not have him around other dogs until he's fully vaccinated. I don't want to wait that long. What should I do? All right, so get yourself a new vet. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's probably not true. But I would, I would try to find veterinarians that are a little bit more progressive. Again, if we wait for our shots, we've lost that imprint time. And more dogs are being euthanized in this country because of under-socialization than getting basically parvo or the diseases. Be smart about it. Head to places that look clean where there's not a huge concentration of, of other dogs. So dog parks are probably out. Make sure that your dog is exposed to good situations and watch out for those bad situations. But I, I will tell you, more dogs are, again, dying from being under-socialized than they are from not having their full round of shots. I recommend people get their first round of shots, head to puppy class, and do as much socializing as you can. All right. Well, that was great. And I was so happy to have Jill Rappaport on the show today. Next show, we're going to talk about barking dogs. This becomes a huge issue. I can't tell you. Every week I get people calling me saying, my dog's barking. We're going to learn about barking. We're going to learn why dogs bark and, and when to allow it and when not to allow it and how we're going to get rid of it. Be sure to visit us on caninemaster.com. Click on and ask the canine master. Leave your questions for me and I'm going to do my best to get back to you. I may even have you call into the show with your questions. So send me your videos, your photos, and I can't wait to see them. And I'm going to help you master the relationship with your dog. Take care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.